When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Let's now ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, Dodgers fans? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We are presented by the Fan Sided Podcast Network, and we're brought to you by TickPick. If you guys haven't heard of TickPick yet, well, then you're missing out, especially with NFL wildcard weekend right around the corner. Why don't you save some money right away and no service fees at checkout by using promo code INCLINE in all caps. I said promo code INCLINE all caps. Off your first purchase of $49 or more, why don't you go see your favorite NFL team, go to a concert, take your significant other out to some fun event. TickPick's got all kinds of great deals over at their website, so go to TickPick.com and buy some tickets. We're excited to bring you guys another interview here on the Incline Dodgers podcast. This week, we are joined by one of the top Dodgers prospects in their farm system, right-handed thrower, Nick Nastrini. So shout out to Nick for joining us. It is his podcast debut. He wanted to let everyone know that. So that's exciting. And we're going to bring you that interview right now. This time we're joined by one of the top pitchers in the Dodgers farm system. Today we have on Nick Nastrini, who's making a name for himself already right away, coming off a great season in high A and double A this past season. Over over 169 strikeouts, or sorry, 169 strikeouts over 116 and two thirds innings. So, Nick, thank you so much for joining the Incline Dodgers today. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you guys reaching out, but it's going well. Just kicking and screaming after the New Year's and holidays. Uh, just trying to work off all that food that we ate and maybe a little bit too much alcohol we drank on New Year's, but you know we're just hanging out. I like that uh, little tree. Is that what I'm seeing to your, right behind you? Yeah, my mom goes goes pretty hard for Christmas, so <laughs> she puts she puts little trees in all of our rooms. So I'm actually sitting. This is my brother's room right now, but yeah, I don't have a desk uh, in my room. I was going like to say, does. get did you did you at one point fit on that bunk bed behind you? Um, no, my, it's always my brother. He's 20 now, or yeah, he's 19, turning 20 in a in a couple months. But he hates change. So my mom was like, Jake, let's get you a new bed. He's like, no, I'm not getting a new bed, even though he has a bigger bed at school. So it's like, I don't get it, dude. But he just, that's just how he rolls. So you see, I just let him do what he does. I don't really talk to him about it much. So I wanted to ask you, so you were born in the Bay Area, but you, you played your college ball at UCLA, thus leading to the question, how cool is it to be drafted by the Los Angeles Dodgers after being a UCLA Bruin? Pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. Um, every single year, the Dodgers allow to have a like Dodger Town Classic, uh, they call it, for I think it's USC, UCLA, and then we have two other teams travel in. It's normally like a school, if I remember correctly, like Michigan played in it my freshman year, like Vanderbilt's played in it, TCU's played in it. It's like 
you have pretty legit competition. Uh, so you get to go over there and kind of experience what Dodger Stadium is like. So having experienced that prior to actually being a Dodger was a really cool thing to to go ahead and have in my back pocket. That's awesome. And we're we're definitely glad that you're part of the Dodgers now because it looks like you have a really bright future ahead. Just watching your highlights and the way you strike out so many of these hitters, uh, you have some very filthy stuff. Uh, I was reading that you throw when you start between 92 and 96 miles per hour, but you can even reach up to 98. Uh, what does it feel like to just harness that power of I can throw that hard? Um, it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. When you when you know that, like, you can honestly tell, like, when the ball, like, like all right, that one was pretty hard because, like, the ball has pretty good carry to it, pretty good ride to it. You're like, all right, like, you can hear the, the uh, pop of the glove. You can hear everything like that. So it's pretty sweet to, like, know that you have that in your back pocket, but it's also nice to be able to rear back a little bit so you can go a little deeper into ball games. Because if you go out there and try to throw the ball as hard as you can every single time, it's like, I don't know if I, I, I couldn't do that. Some people can, but I just couldn't pitch like that. Is there ever a time where just in your, your regular casual life where someone asks you to, you know, pass something over and you throw it like a little too hard and they're like, whoa, we're not in a game. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's like, there's definitely sometimes like, uh, where my dad loves to cook. So he'd be like, Hey, Nick tossing something from across the kitchen. I'll toss it to him a little too hard. And he's like, Oh shit, I kind of forgot that, <laughs> that you throw that hard. So yeah, it's like little things like around the house or like when I'm playing with my friends, like some of my friends will come out of retirement to play catch with me and they're like shit i kind of forgot that you throw so hard <laughs> all right i had one more question I, I just i just pictured you slinging the remote around the house just firing <laughs> at people yeah. <laughs> one more question before i pass it off to my co-host um so I, I just wanted to know looking ahead to this upcoming season what pitch were you hoping to maybe approve upon the most um if i had to say one pitch i'd probably go with the slider just because i want to be able to command it in the zone a little bit better i felt like i was able to get a lot of swing and miss but most of that was out of the zone uh, i noticed that especially when i got the double a that being able to work horizontally not just vertically is to both sides hitters, left and right side of hitters it paid huge dividends so being able to work on that slider throw it in the zone to righties and back foot to lefties or even in the zone to lefties as well just having that in my back pocket so I know that if I need to steal a striker, get a ground ball with a runner on first base after walking a guy or giving up a hit, I have that in my back pocket. That makes sense to me. So a lot of uh, a lot of famous alums come through UCLA that that play for the play major league baseball, but uh but specifically with the Dodgers. Um one of them being the current Dodgers manager, Dave Roberts. Just curious if you've had any conversations with him and and kind of do, do you kind of feel that it's a that it's a cool thing that the manager at the major league levels went to your college? Yeah, no, it's super cool. His his banner is actually right above our entrance to our locker room. So I got to see it every single day for three years. So having that right there and then hopefully uh, being fortunate enough to play for him in the near future. I think that's going to be really special. Have you had any conversations with him at all or no? Uh, I actually have mutual friends with his son. And during COVID, he had a lot of us come throw live at bats in his backyard. So yeah, I've, I've spoken with oh. him a few times. Yeah. Well, let's explore that a little bit more. How was that? <laughs> what was that like? That was cool. It was honestly just a bunch of us. Like there was a few pro guys that came in, uh, like Dylan Polson. He used to play for the Dodgers. 
uh, left-hand hitter from USC. He was there. A couple other guys that are just San Diego guys that went to local high schools around here and were just home during the pandemic. So it was cool. It was a really good experience to be around there. I got to pick his brain about some things that he had in mind for for me. He he had stuff in mind for me before he even really knew who I was, and that was pretty cool to experience as well. That's really cool. Really, really, really yeah. Cool. I'm not even sure if he um, remembers that or anything like that, but it was, he, it was it was it was cool. Probably does. He he writes he writes a lot of notes down during the game, so he probably does. Um, so you went to the uh, same high school as Austin Barnes. Um, and I was just curious uh, if you have met Austin Barnes, know anything about him, uh, had any conversations with him so far? I've never met him before. Um, his brother is actually a manager at UCLA. So I would go back there every once in a while to work out during this offseason and last offseason. So I was able to actually talk to his younger brother, but no, never him. What, what do you think it would be like if, like, you know, you, you know, make it to the Dodgers and let's say for the sake of argument, Austin's still there catching. Uh, have you thought about like what, what that experience would be like kind of throwing to him in a, in a major league game? Uh, I've never actually thought about that. I, I really have not thought about that. I think something else that would be pretty interesting too is because Mark Pryor went to my same high school too. Oh, sweet. So, yeah. So he, he, he went to, they changed names because our, my old high school used to be on the university of San Diego campus, but the, college needed the the like pretty much the real estate for housing so they kicked us out of there and we had to move but it, it's the same high school same teachers and everything like that so we went pretty much the same like mascot and everything so that that would be pretty cool to have that but i've never thought about throwing to austin Barnes or anything like that i've never explored that in my mind well now now you have so uh you're <laughs> welcome um to follow up with that uh, mark Pryor thing uh because you know, Mark Pryor, since becoming the pitching coach, has really kind of turned around a lot of careers that uh, kind of seemingly out of the blue. Um, is is his sort of like, like I'm talking like organizationally, is there like, uh, do you feel like there's sort of like a some teamwork going on there from, from the top down? Or is it kind of just, you know, focused at each level of, of the minor leagues? Is there some sort of collective tutelage going on that comes down from the top from Mark Pryor dollar, or is it kind of more focused for you? I would say there's definitely some, I, I mean, personally, I've never heard anything saying like, okay, like Mark Pryor wants you to work on this. It's more so <laughs> like, I, I, I've never heard anything like that, but I mean, I'm sure that it, it seems like there's a bunch of collaboration between like Gomes, Friedman, Pryor, our minor league pitching coordinator, Rob Hill, our farm directors, um, Matt McGrath and Will Rhymes. Like it seems like there's a bunch of uh like correspondence between all of them about like what they think we all need to work on. It's it's also really helpful because they communicate it very well to our pitching coaches who are actually at the affiliates with us. So there's really no like oh like maybe they they need me to work on this or they need me to work on that. It's really like they are very good at explaining what they think you need to do and what they think you need to do to excel and get to the next level. Sweet. David, what do you got? Yeah, so I got a couple questions for you. First, who's the toughest out you've faced since being in the Dodgers organization? Who, What hitter has given you the most uh, struggle to put them away? Like on a, on a different team? Yeah. Or like... Or it um, could, be, could be in practice, you know. It could be a teammate. I'd have to say there's prop... Ellie De La Cruz. Yep. 
Tyler Soderstrom. Okay. And who's someone else? Jair Camargo from the Twins. He's a catcher. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard really good things about uh, Ellie for sure. Um, okay, so now more on the Dodgers side. Who's a teammate you've had, whether it's this year or, or in years past, in the Dodgers organization that Dodgers fans should be keeping an eye out? It could be a pitcher, a hitter. Who's someone who's who's really impressed you with their talent so far? Um, see, I listened to Pepio's podcast with you guys earlier earlier this morning. Yeah, and he he kind of talked about some guys that are in AAA, like mm-hmm. Gavin, and yeah, and uh, I think he talked about uh, Michael Grove too. So he kind of gets the people at the top of the of the spectrum. But I think people that are lower down, I would say dudes like Ben Harris, uh, okay. left-handed reliever. That guy is unbelievable. Emmett Sheehan. That he also an unbelievable pitcher, unbelievable dude. Um, Nick Frasso, who else? I mean, from a hitter's perspective, obviously Diego. Um, I think Michael Bush, he's in AAA. He's on the verge of being a big leaguer. Yeah. But, I mean, there's so many guys. It's It honestly is very good for development. I think that's honestly one of the reasons why they're so good at development is because the competition is so good amongst the entire farm system. Because you look to your left and you look to your right and you're like, all right, that dude's unbelievable. That dude's unbelievable. I got to step it up if I'm performing poorly or just like you just see them every day and you're like, all right, that's how they go about it. I, I need to go about it the same way. So I think that's one of the key reasons why they develop so well. Yeah, yeah that's we, a really we, good answer. Good we've been answer. hearing that a lot from a lot of yeah. the, the younger guys that have been on this podcast saying just how talented the organization is. And it's 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 got to be a cool experience for you guys to just kind of all grow up together within the the system. Yeah, it's sweet. I mean, it's more specifically, like Emmett Sheehan and I, like him and I got shipped out to Rancho at the exact same time we drove in the same car together. And then like we go to Great Lakes together. Then we go to Tulsa together. It's really cool like, to be on the same track as someone because they get to experience it almost identically to how you experience it. So if you ever have anything that you're worried about, like you're probably both worried about it. So it's really good to talk about it. Or if you ever are having any of the same successes, like you can discuss that as well. So it's, it's super cool to, to have people that you can do it with. For sure. Um, so you mentioned working on the slider. Um, is there anything else that you're you're working on this off season and, and building off that? Do you have any particular goals for this next uh, coming season in terms of whether it's moving up organizationally or improving a different aspect of your game? Anything like that? I would say my first goal would just be to command the zone a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, be more in the zone when I want to be and be more out of the zone when I want to be. Because like, from a fan's perspective, like you're like, all right, like how many strikes does this guy throw? But like from a pitcher's perspective, you gotta be able to throw it in the zone and out of the zone whenever you want. Because you gotta be able to have someone chase. You gotta be able to, like if someone's an aggressive hitter and you have a O two or one two count and it's a right handed hitter with a runner on second base, you think, all right, I, I know that this guy's aggressive. I need to be able to throw the slider out of the zone because if I don't, he's probably gonna put the ball over the left field wall. So you gotta be able to have that in the back of your head too. But something that I would say like that isn't so far like pitching would just be to have fun. Honestly, like it's such a long season that if you get caught up in the performance of everything and are like how well you're performing and like, am I going to move up? When am I going to move up? Um, like if you're in AAA and you get 
called up and you're probably going to get sent right back down just as a targeting pitcher just because they need bodies up there. Like, you can't really control. There's so much things you cannot control. Right. So just controlling what I can control and going out to the ballpark every day and having fun and just trying to absorb as much information from our coaches and from our players as we can, as I can. For sure. All right, I'm going to give you three quick, quick questions and I'll pass it off to these guys to finish it off. Favorite movie of all time? The Town. Ooh, that's a good one. I need to rewatch that one. All that's right, that's an excellent favorite, choice. Yeah, it is. That is. I was not expecting that. It's a good answer. Um, <laughs> favorite artist of all time, musical artist. Zach Bryan. That was that was quick. You had that one ready. There was no hesitation yeah. in that answer. No, I I, I knew exactly. As soon as you said artist, I was like, all right, Zach Bryan <laughs> for sure, <laughs> without a doubt. All right, last one, and this is an important one. Are aliens real? Oh, one hundred percent phenomenal answer see i've asked that i've asked that question because i'm a huge alien guy i've asked that question to a couple other guys too they've all said yes like i i'm impressed that everybody is is on board with this do you have any like other alien thoughts or just that they're real i'd love, <laughs> oh, love to hear that oh you're gonna get me going here for a second <laughs> so have you heard of the theory of antarctica possibly go on so there's like a theory that like the initial like what is visible from like a boat in Antarctica is like pretty much a wall. And beyond that wall, there's like an ancient civilization that like the government doesn't, doesn't want us to like ever yes. see or ever come in contact with. So like the aliens aren't like from outer space, but they're from this extra world that we just have no clue what's going on. There was like a, like there's some like Latin root words that like made it like the word extraterrestrial. I forget what mm -hmm. they actually were. It was like the Terra and the, the extra or something like that, but it was, it, I, I, I do think that there's aliens and they might be here right now. They might not be here right now, but you never know. I think it's fun to go down those rabbit holes every once oh, in a while. <laughs> I mean, this, this has been extremely refreshing. I feel validated, honestly. I might need to have an, a, a round table podcast episode of just everyone who believes in aliens and we can just talk about these theories. And you know, I'm sure you've seen the show ancient aliens. Oh yeah. It, it's, there's oftentimes I walk downstairs and it's already on my TV when I walk yeah. downstairs for so breakfast. Yeah. I, I have a love hate relationship with that show because the content is actually really good and they're, they're they actually present the evidence pretty well, but then they kind of go off the rails. And then, then also every analyst on that show looks like they just got electrocuted. So it just like, <laughs> it just doesn't, it, their credibility needs work, but the content is really good. All right, I'm going to let these other two guys finish, but but thank you for this this alien discussion. I appreciate it. Go ahead, Jake. I got to get myself together. Wild <laughs> stuff. Wild stuff. We learned a lot. So uh, <laughs> uh, my, my final question for you is a, is a little more grounded. Um, so... <laughs> Are, who are some uh, some players uh, at the major league level? Uh, let's just go with pitchers since you're a pitcher. Who are some pitchers at the major league level that um, you look up to that are either playing currently or you looked up to when you were were growing up? I'm a, I, I like to try to model my my pitching, like my mound presence after like older guys, I would say, like dudes like Roger Clemens. Um, John Smoltz, Nolan Ryan, like they were, they were just gritty guys. And I try to, I don't necessarily try to like any model anybody mechanically, but more so like, how can I carry myself like these like household name guys? So 
is it, is it more like a like a mentality on the mound of like not not getting too rattled not getting too over emotional yeah i mean you could say that it's more just like it's me versus you and like i'm gonna do everything in my possible in my power to win right now like find it it's i i write a little thing on my glove and sharpie almost every single year it normally fades away but i just rewrite it like just find an excuse to win like find an excuse to win this pitch win this at bat win this inning win this game because uh, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is if you win or lose. So that's sick. Love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I'll I just have one more question for you, Nick. So outside of baseball, and I guess outside of aliens as well, just what's <laughs> one thing that Dodgers fans should know about you that you really dig, whether it's a interest or hobby or just a special talent? Um. Well, you said I was. I, yeah, I was born in Northern California, but I grew up in Southern California, so. I, I'm from San Diego. I think I I would have to go. I love playing golf. That's honestly one probably one of my favorite things to do. It's just super nice to continue to do something athletically, and but I have to pretty much like start from scratch like I was when I was five because like I started and I was absolutely atrocious. Yeah. So it was a it was a good learning experience because you got to like all just like test your mental game and translate to baseball as well. But something that just like has nothing to do with like. Baseball is probably surfing. Um, it's honestly just fun just to paddle out, paddle out with your friends, and escape the the quickness of everyday life. So you just get out there and just lose track of time. And then when you get tired, you come back in, and maybe it was 45 minutes or maybe it was four hours. But just just to get your mind off whatever whatever you're stressing out about. I like it. Anything else, guys? I think I've kept him long enough. All right. And let him go into the night and learn about Antarctica more. <laughs> I'm going to go watch some YouTube videos on it right now. <laughs> there, have you seen, there's a new show on Netflix. It's like... A, oh, Jesus Christ. No, come. Just give me a minute, Jake. It's like the <laughs> ancient archaeology thing. Really good. It like Okay, how long is it? It's like eight episodes, and they're like 40 okay. minutes each or something. But it like basically like... Uh, revisits like what we think how old human civilization is and it's not necessarily aliens but like you can draw your own conclusions from it which i have really good okay i might go watch that yeah I might, or i might save that for the season because you have so yeah. much free time i just might need that to need that need that in my back pocket for a middle of july kind of show to watch yeah no it's it's legit i stake my entire reputation on it <laughs> All right, guys, that was Nick Nostrini joining us today on the Incline Dodgers podcast. Nick, we really look forward to your journey the rest of the way, and we're going to keep our eyes out on you as you progress within the Dodgers system. We're, we're really excited for your potential, and we look forward to seeing what you do next. Sweet. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for coming Thank you, on. Nick. Thank you for yep, coming thank on. Thank you. Yep. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, guys, hope you got you really enjoyed that interview with Nick. It was definitely a blast. Uh, did you guys have any takeaways from what just went down with Nick? Aliens. 
Aliens is my takeaway. Uh, you know, I've asked that question to a, to a, a couple different guys now, but that was by far the best feedback I've gotten. Uh, I got to research this Antarctica base. But besides that, <laughs> uh, he, uh, he's, he's got a good head on his shoulders. I mean, I think he's got the right attitude. He's definitely confident. Uh, that little Dave Roberts tidbit was pretty cool, too, uh, how he just had guys over at his house during the during the shutdown or whatever. But I'm excited for what this kid can do for sure. Yeah, it was a really great interview uh, for someone making their podcast debut. It sounded like he had done tons of podcasts before and tons of interviews, so super polished. And his connection to UCLA is great. Uh, the Dodgers have a long line of players coming from UCLA, including their manager, Dave Roberts. So it was great to get his insight on coming from UCLA and going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Dodgers are loaded with a lot of great arms in the farm system. Hopefully Nastrini cracks their rotation or bullpen at some point, maybe in 2024. Great guys to look up to, including Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, Ryan Pepio. Guys, believe it or not, the Dodgers have made a trade. They're bringing back a familiar face while they're at it too. And they've acquired infielder Miguel Rojas from the Miami Marlins in exchange for a guy labeled as untouchable by friend of the show, Chris Camella and Jake, Jacob Amaya. So sorry, Chris, two weeks later, they have flipped Amaya for Rojas. And what is an off season without a Dodgers and Marlins trade? I feel like we get this every year, if not every other year, at least they just love to wheel and deal. I like this move. I'm not entirely sure how to lay out the Dodgers infield just yet, but Miguel Rojas does bring a lot of infield experience. He came up with the Dodgers, had a, a big play in 2014, but I'll let one of you guys have the shining moment on that. They eventually traded him to the Marlins. They got back Austin Barnes, Kike Hernandez, Chris Hatcher. That's that trade. D Gordon also went out with uh, Rojas. His bat isn't the most exciting in the world. I will have to admit uh, he really struggled last season. He had an OPS of six. Where is it? Dang it. Baseball reference. He had an OPS of 605, which might have been a career low. He only hit 236, 283 on base, six home runs. But the year before, he actually had a pretty good season offensively. He was a lefty killer. He basically batted 300. He had a high on base in the 390s. So if he can get back to that 2021 form against lefties, at least that's a nice platoon advantage. But I think what the Dodgers are really doing here is they're not ready to anoint an everyday shortstop an everyday second baseman. I think they're going to mix and match. You're going to see Miguel Rojas probably play half the season at shortstop. And then the other half will probably be split between Gavin Lux and Chris Taylor. That's my opinion yet. I think spring training will be really interesting. We're going to see more of what the Dodgers do with their infield alignment defensively. But I think, honestly, they're having a little PTSD from the awful defense that we had with Trey Turner last season. Miguel Rojas is a gold glove winner. He was exceptional this last season, despite a bad bat. He had 15 defensive runs saved. He had a eight outs above average as well. So what he doesn't bring you offensively he made up for it defensively he had a pretty good respectable war on baseball reference two and a half and not the same position but i'm going to compare him to austin barnes what he doesn't give you with the bat he's going to make up for it with the gritty defense and so 
Whether this is a depth move or a starting position for Rojas, I think that still remains to be seen. I think the Dodgers are heading in the right direction. Yeah, I really like this move. I think that he also brings a really great presence to the clubhouse. Um, I heard stories coming out of Miami that he was a really uh, a stable force in that clubhouse with that young Marlins team and that he was somewhat of a leader. So I love the fit. Uh, I love the fact that he's coming back uh, defensively. He's a wizard. So obviously, in my opinion, I think that that means he's a fail safe for Gavin Lux. The Dodgers have talked all off season about how they do have confidence in Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux at shortstop. They've said that over and over again. So I'd be surprised if they didn't just give it to Lux to start out uh, at shortstop and then bring in Rojas to play uh, for Lux if Lux just doesn't live up to the the billing at shortstop. But also, I mean, he plays all around the infield. And um, David, you you put this tweet in the chat, but I, I just want to bring it up. Mike DiGiovanna, who's a reporter for the LA Times, he says that he's being told Rojas will play third base shortstop and second base, and he won't necessarily come in as a starting shortstop. So there you go right there. I think it's a good add, it's, and it's definitely a depth move for them. Yeah, I like his. I like this pickup as a utility infielder. I, I don't like it as an everyday starter. Uh, I think he provides the versatility that the Dodgers love. Uh, like Kevin and, and Jake just mentioned, he's he's very very solid at defense and not really great at offense. I mean, his outs above average last year was in the 98th percentile, and if you look at all his his hitting uh, little bubbles and statistics on on Baseball Savant, they're all blue. So this is a defensive move for sure. And I think it, he he can have a, a positive effect on Gavin Lux himself. I mean, he's a perfect guy to kind of you know shepherd Lux into his role as the shortstop and as a as a professional you know stalwart in this Dodgers lineup. So I I like this move for for a couple of different reasons, uh, but I don't think you're going to see him starting on opening day. Uh, I think like you just said, you'll he'll play some third, he'll play some short, he'll play some second. Uh, who knows? Maybe they'll throw him in the outfield occasionally. So this is kind of what they envisioned, or this isn't kind of what they envisioned, but this is kind of what they did last year with Hanser Alberto, just kind of a, a signing that can kind of provide some depth. Although I think Rojas is going to contribute significantly more than Alberto did. Yeah, that's a pretty low bar. But I also yeah. want to uh, point <laughs> out that uh, I tweeted this out. Miguel Rojas preserved Kershaw's legacy when he made that unbelievable play in 2014. That was his first year in the big leagues, and it was with the Dodgers. He made a play in the hole at third base to preserve Kershaw's no-hitter, and it was a great move and great great uh, you know, skills to get to the ball, but then to fire it across the diamond and get the guy out by a hair. And then, of course, the great dig out by uh, the defensive wizard that was Adrian Gonzalez. Just a beautiful, beautiful play. Um, and yeah, he's clutch defensively, too, which is much, much needed. It goes to what Kevin was saying earlier about how, um, you know, there were some huge plays at shortstop for Trey Turner in the postseason, and he just did not show up. And we saw how kind of series altering that can be. I think if Miguel Rojas has a good spring training, he's going to be playing a lot more than player than what might what some people might think, including playing a lot more than Hans or Alberta. I mean, this guy recorded 500 plate appearances in his last four four full complete seasons. I'm throwing out 2020 because it was short and 
This guy is used to playing every day. He doesn't really have too many health concerns, although I was just reading up that he's coming off uh, wrist surgery in October. So that's never fun hearing that the Dodgers are acquiring another guy dealing with injuries, especially the wrist, because it's very important for hitters to have timeliness and wrists tends to be one of the things that messes up timing. So that could be a little bit of a delay in his spring training. But I do feel like the Dodgers are going to be at their best defensively with Gavin Lux at second base. And that's where I stand. I think Gavin Lux is going to probably play 40% of the season, if I had to guess, at shortstop. But the other 50-ish plus percent, I think he's going to be at second base. I think you're going to see Miguel Rojas start half the season at shortstop. I think you'll see Chris Taylor start a little bit here and there at shortstop. And then Gavin Lux. I think this is going to be a platoon dream galore. I don't even know if Miguel Rojas will start much at all against righties. I don't know if Gavin Lux will start at all much against lefties. I think that the Dodgers might go back to their platoon ways. And I don't think they're done wheeling and dealing. I think another trade is imminent, especially in center field. I think that the acquisition of Miguel Rojas allows the Dodgers to now be a little more aggressive, potentially in that Brian Reynolds trade since the Pirates want to haul. And what are you going to do with Michael Bush at this point? He kind of, I really like his bat, but he almost seems expendable at this point. I just, I don't ha- see where he really fits in for this upcoming season. I don't want to give up on Michael Bush just yet. That sounds like a little bit too premature. I, I I'm not think giving that... up, but where is he going to play? Yeah. Was he is he the odd man out in this equation. Yes, but was he, was he competing for a starting job? It I seemed felt... like it was... I felt like he was. I thought when the season ended, I thought they were going to allow him to compete for second base. But now with the addition of Rojas, plus we still have Chris Taylor, Max Muncy, and Miguel Vargas taking reps at second base, it concerns me a little bit that they're not going to have room for Michael Bush. And it's already been reported by numerous outlets week after week that the Dodgers are in the mix for an outfielder. So you have to move one of these infielders. It doesn't have to be Bush necessarily, but somebody for one of these top tier center fielders. I don't think the Reynolds trade is going to happen. I think the pirates are are going to ask too much. The Yankees are involved. The Rangers are involved. I don't think the Yankees have the prospects to pull it off. I think the Rangers do. And I think the Rangers have shown they're very desperate to compete. Now. I think Brian Reynolds will either stay a pirate or be a Texas Ranger. That just makes the most sense. And, and they're willing to, wheel and deal more than the Dodgers are and have more flexibility, honestly. I mean, the Dodgers, yes, they're only $5 million over the tax, but you know, that 40 man roster, there's not a ton of guys you can kind of just give up on. Like it's a very talented 40 man roster. And yes, Bush is definitely, I would say that the next man on a, to go on a, in a trade just because of who's blocking him ahead of him, not because of that. He's not talented, uh, but he is not necessarily young for a prospect anymore. So I don't know who you'd pair with Bush, but I I think they're going to go a different route for center field. I really do. Here's my take. I I just don't think that it's that it's smart to kind of, you know, dish out all these prospects right now when you've kind of alluded to the fact that you want to have this youth movement. You want to see what you have. I'd like to see what they have. Like, I'd like to wait until the trade deadline because you never know, right? You never know with injuries, with slumps, with emergences of stars. You don't know when you give a guy an opportunity, like, you know, what if James Outman comes back and, you know, catches fire like he did and then continues to be consistent like that. Same thing could happen with Michael Bush. So 
I don't know if I really want to necessarily give up on those guys just yet. I want to see what we have. That's kind of what I'm most interested in when it comes to this team, because I think this team is going to be sneaky good. And I'm I'm kind of excited about it because we're kind of under the radar. We're not really, you know, overpaying and everyone's kind of, you know, putting that target on our backs. We've kind of taken a step back this offseason and I kind of like it um, because I think people are going to underestimate how good this Dodgers team is going to be. I just would like to see it play out and, and and not kind of mortgage the future until you see what you actually have. I agree with most of the points that you brought up, especially the youth movement. And I think we will see Vargas get a lot of at-bats. Outman will get a lot of at-bats. Lux is still technically young, so you're going to give him a lot of at-bats. But I think Bush could be a 20 home run a year hitter in the majors. But defensively, all the scouts and the analytics are very low on his glove. We're talking a guy that might not even be able to play second base at an everyday level. He might end up being a DH. And the way I look at it is if you're not going to play him, then what are we doing here? You're just going to let him sit in triple a and let his value diminish. Like at this point, he's already played in the minors a lot and he's, he's not young. Like David said, he's probably 24, 25, 25, I think. Yeah. So we obviously know that the the Dodgers need depth in the outfield. I'm not buying this Jason Hayward or Trace Thompson or even Chris Taylor as our starting center fielder. I think Andrew Freeman is scouting the market very heavily. I think this Rojas trade allowed some flexibility to now move one of those infielders. And even though I do think that the asking price for Brian Reynolds is too high, I also agree with David. Like I don't think the Yankees could pull it off. I really don't even think the Rangers could pull it off unless they give up a lot. I think the Dodgers are actually the best position to pull off this trade. It's just a matter of, are they comfortable moving some of these prospects? Well, here's my question. So I could see obviously packaging someone like Michael Bush, like you mentioned for Brian Reynolds, but let's just say for the sake of argument that that deal doesn't happen or Brian Reynolds goes somewhere else. Who would you pivot to? I mean, is there another, is there another trade out there that is that that you would put up Michael Bush for Dylan Carlson. But would you want to give up Michael Bush for Dylan Carlson? I mean, did Carlson win rookie of the year? He was a finalist. Well, yeah, but the the point is, I think Carlson is a really talented player. I think he's solid. I do too, but I think, but I, but I don't think it's, I don't think it would take a Michael Bush to get it. I don't think it would take a Michael Bush to get him. Is my point. I, I, I think it would. I, I like I him. Think sure it would. T- Bush I think and more. more. Yeah. The Cardinals value him pretty high. You would give up Michael Bush plus like a, a one of our top starters for? No, not a top starter. Second, second. Well, tier. Who else would it take? Landon I wouldn't Nack. give up. I wouldn't give up uh, Pepe uh, Miller or uh, Stone. Stone for sure. Stone. No I, I wouldn't either. So who else would you would you pair pair I mean, with? I mean, they have a they have a deep farm system. It's just I, I think it's going to take more than Bush to get Dylan Carlson. Center fielder yeah. is a premier position. He's proven in the major leagues. Michael Bush is very proven in the minors, but unproven in the majors. So it's going to take more than that. Uh, and the Cardinals know the Dodgers are, you know, the Dodgers don't really have a, a lot of leverage in that trade. The Cardinals know the Dodgers need a center fielder. And the Cardinals necessarily don't have to move him. Yeah, I agree with that. Also, I don't know if the White Sox have filled that void yet, but just days ago, they were another team that was actively looking for a second baseman. So 
they have a lot of outfielders to expend too. I don't know who it could be because the package for Luis Robert would be probably even more than Brian Reynolds potentially, but it should be. In my Reynolds opinion. is getting traded one way or another. He rejected that six year, $75 million offer. They that was they, laughable. They, I know they, they low balled him big time, but if this was the Atlanta Braves, we'd be praising the Braves. Like here they go again, rewarding their young players. It's just weird how these things work out. Like, I know Ronald Acuna Jr. is making peanuts compared to what he could have been making. Albies is worse. Pretty low too, yeah. So that's that. I I'm looking. I'm looking. Get I... The Brian Reynolds craze. I just don't get it. Like he just he's had two good years. That's it. I think he's and just we're... a solid ball player. Like for a team like the Dodgers, he's a nice complimentary piece. You put him in the middle of your order. And you just hope that he drives guys in and gets on base. I don't think we're looking for a superstar at this point. We just want a solid guy that's going to produce. I I agree that he's that. But what they're asking for is a superstar trade package. So it just doesn't well, make sense that's, in my opinion. That's because they always ask for that. Well, they're impossible why I to would deal slam with. the door in their face and tell them to get the hell off my lawn. Well, then we offer them the package we talked about and they have to be reasonable. Otherwise, we move on. Uh, he's going to be a ranger or a pirate. I I Leak. think those are the I think those are the two, the top two. I also wouldn't rule out Seattle. I guess they have a lot of prospects, and I think they're a hungry team as well. Just signed AJ Pollock. Yes, AJ Pollock to the Mariners, Hanser Alberto to the White Sox. Old friends making moves. Um, do we even want to get into? the latest saga with number 27 or should we just dip on that i mean he's not a dodger anymore so if you miss that and you're listening to this yeah he's he's not a dodger there was there was no way days to trade him because i dfa'd him i think it's the 13th yes i think i think there was absolutely a zero percent chance the dodgers are bringing him back I mean, they just they just couldn't do it, no matter what. Despite what some of the fan base would say, despite what the other side of the fan base would say, they just could not. PR wise, could not bring him back. So it it wasn't surprising at all that they didn't bring him back, and that he's you know probably just going to be out there for the taking. I I, I don't I don't understand why you would want to trade for Trevor Bauer when you could just get him on on kind of the, the open market after after the deadline like i don't i don't understand why you would cough up anything for that i'm a little optimistic that a last minute team is going to come in but on the caveat that the dodgers are going to have to take on a salary of a player they don't want so whether it's the twins don't know how much stock you can put into that rumor they give us a Max Kepler, but we have to eat most of Bauer's money. That would be a gift from the heavens if they did it, that. It, what a steal! Would it? I mean, why? the Dodgers like, are going to. Why would they do that? Why? Yeah, give us Just wait give us Kep, two days. Give us Kepler and Lurie and well, Luisa Rice. <laughs> a team that would actually want Trevor Bauer for some reason, it would be more wise to actually go through the trade market because, no offense to Minnesota, but if they Minnesota. were Carlos. If they were Carlos Correa's <laughs> third option, why would a guy like Trevor Bauer, who's 
wanted to come to SoCal now go to Minnesota. If let's say the Mets or the Padres are okay, going to hold on, Houston. hold on. Why would it be more wise for a team who's interested in Bauer to trade with the Dodgers for him instead of just waiting two days and then signing him for the minimum and not? That's exactly what I was saying. That's yeah. a, no, what I was just saying is you're going to have to potentially compete with the Padres or the Mets or the Astros. I don't might, think I don't think who, there's going to be a huge line of suitors waiting for this guy. I just don't. Also, I, if he does, if he does go to Minnesota, he should be thanking his lucky stars that he even has an opportunity to pitch in the majors. All right. Well, if we're being really honest, if he hits free agency, I don't think he's ever playing in Major League Baseball again. So if there's actually a team interested It'll happen through the trade. Otherwise, I don't think Trevor Bauer will ever step foot on a major league mound again. I think once I think he hits, he I think once he hits free agency, he's getting the Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick treatment, blackballed from the league. I think the damage that he has caused is just too big of a stain. No team's going to want to deal with the PR mess, the backlash from whatever organization that signs him. I think Rob Manfred will do shady stuff behind the scenes to make sure that team fails, and so. That's where I stand. I think Bauer is done as a major league baseball player. Unless a team does trade for him, then I guess that's the exception. I think once he hits free agency, though, it's over. I just would love I I love uh, the fact that uh, when when Bauer came out with his statement saying that the you know, just a day ago, the Dodgers were, you know, expressing interest in bringing me back. And I thought I would be pitching again for the Dodgers. I just love that the collective reaction to that was. Oh, you've got to be kidding me! It's not. We're not. We're not. We're not buying that. That's ridiculous. Just, just love makes it. No, like, sense. no, you just no one believes him anymore. If they ever did, the moment that he was put on administrative leave back on July second, I knew that was it. That was the end of Trevor Bauer's tenure with the Dodgers. Everything else was just noise at this point. The suspension should have taken him out to the rest of his contract. I don't care that he it got uplifted, I guess. I'm not going to cry. So he gets his $22.5 million, and he can go do whatever he wants with that money. But two days left. Dodgers had already DFA'd him, so he's not coming back, whether you agree or disagree. And also, the people that are comparing the situation to Julio Urias need to get a life because they are nowhere even near the same scope of things. When the, the argument that bystanders witnessed between Julio Urias and his then girlfriend at the Beverly Center took place. It was just, I guess, a heated argument. He accidentally made her fall or something, but no charges were ever filed. There was no true crime. Um, Urias took it like a man, admitted his mistake, did like a year of community service and went on his merry way. This is just a completely different scenario. Yeah, I think he's going to get another shot regardless. I, I do. I think someone will just give him a shot at some point. I don't know if it's going to be this year, but next year, I mean, this if he doesn't get a shot this year, he's for sure going to go pitch in Korea or Japan or somewhere. Um, seems like he kind of set that up himself. You know, he was, even before all this, he was, his Twitter name was in Japanese and he was kind of like building his own market there. So that was kind of a little bit of foreshadowing in my opinion. But regardless, his Dodgers career is certainly over, and the Dodgers pitching rotation is still looking pretty good. You know what I want to say? People are sleeping on Dustin May. People forget how good this kid is. He's going to be fully healthy this year after Tommy John, full season. All he has to do is stay healthy, and he's going to be an all-star. And I'm going to say it 
I'm going to say it. He's going to finish top six in the Cy Young. That's a bold prediction right there. It's like, have you seen this guy pitch? (laughs) Why top six? Because I I just am hedging my top five by one. (laughs) Okay. Just in case he, like, you know, strains a lat or something and has to miss a. He's going to finish 11th in Cy Young voting. (laughs) 11th. It was just like the gambler in me was just like, I need you heard it here first, folks. I need a tiny bit of a hedge there. Just a a little. Yeah, Yeah. Couldn't say top five. Had to go six. Top okay. six, Dustin. I already have my Cy Young pick. He's not a Dodger. I'm going to lock in Zach Gallen. Yeah, solid pick. He's going to pitch. I thought uh, you were going Marco Gonzalez. Marco Gonzalez? <laughs> Marco Gonzalez. <laughs> no, that'd be a you pick. No, from a few years ago. <laughs> Did you really do he that? He let me down. Marco let me down. He no, I didn't, him- say, I didn't say... I. I didn't say he was going to win the Cy Young. I okay. just said he. I said he was going to be a breakout. But okay, didn't all right. Any other final things or miscellaneous things you want to throw out there besides the the weird Carlos Correa story? Finally, officially found a team back to Minnesota. It's like Thank literally God. the Thanos meme in baseball. Like, where did your fa- failure failures leave me? Back to me. Literally the same <laughs> yeah. thing as what just happened with Carlos Correa. I don't really care about Carlos Correa. That whole Dior comment was really weird in his free agency, and then he couldn't pass two physicals. But, Jake, do you got anything? I have a quick out of left field. All I was going to say about Carlos Correa is that I'm just glad that he's not not playing for a relevant team, um, a, a team that could potentially, yeah. you know, uh, hurt the Dodgers. Like, I'm just glad he's out of the National League, or, or, or I should say remain in the American League. I think yeah, the Twins well, might win the Central now. I'm, I'm yeah, jumping. I was gonna say to... Jake's Jake's gonna pick him to win the Central. With <laughs> I'm jumping. Well, I mean that doesn't that doesn't mean I think they're a, a relevant threat to anybody. But I mean the, the the AL Central. I mean, come on, what are we talking about here? It's like you were gonna pick him to win before the Correa news, and now you're like, yeah, I, I love might have to pick him. And the Correa absence, I have to look at the Mets roster more thoroughly. But I might pick them to miss the playoffs altogether now. Can you name three starters on the Twins? Sunny like Gray. starting players? Pitchers. Sunny. Oh, pitchers. Sonny Sunny. Gray. Maeda. Maybe, if he's healthy. Um, I rest my case. You Brett. don't have to keep going. I rest my case. It's over. Okay. It wasn't done. They're not winning the Central. Dobnik. <laughs> uh, okay. So my out of left field, I have I have like four written down because we haven't done this in a while, but I'm just going to pick one that just jumps out to me right now. It's like I experienced it today. Drivers, when you get within a quarter to a half mile of your house, are the absolute slowest of all time. They just go so damn slow right when you're almost home. The whole trip could be smooth and easy. <laughs> But when, once you get close to you get off the, the exit on the freeway, you you make that final turn into your little home stretch, and then you just encounter the absolute slowest drivers on the planet. It is clockwork. It is without fail. Every single time. You're speeding the whole way. You could be driving a two-hour trip, no traffic, nothing. And then the second you get close to your house, you run into seven grandmas in gold Lexus sedans <laughs> who just can't go more than seven miles an hour. It's beyond me. And I guarantee you, people listening to this are going to agree with this because it's it's omnipresent everywhere you go. Do you ever think that it's your mind playing tricks with you? Because it's not like 
Well, I mean, when you when you're about to get home, aren't you? Isn't your mindset like, well, I want to get home as fast as I can because I don't want to be in this car anymore. And so because of that, your mind is like perceiving that these people are driving slow. Whereas if you weren't as concerned about that, it wouldn't, would it really register? No, you're not going to like inception me out of this take. This is a, this is a factual <laughs> take. Like, yes, once you get to that home stretch, you're like, okay, I'm home. I, I'm getting out of this car, but it's, it's, it's happened too often where I, it's, it's just true. It's not my mind. It's just the slowest drivers. You can't get around him. This is accurate. I don't care what you guys say. This is this is real. This is not in my mind. How many additional gonna, lights do you think you've been caught at because of these slow drivers? Too many. But it's not it's it's even when once you pass once you're done with the stoplight phase of your drive. You know, you're on the side streets and you're just you're you're going up a hill and then they're just there. It's like they're planted. It's like you're in the Truman show and they have planted these drivers to just go four miles an hour right in front of you just to piss you off right before you get home. You're just right there. And then it's just, nope, you're going to wait behind grandma's Lexus. Two massive pet peeves that you just made me think of when I'm on the road. One, when you've got a slow person in the fast lane, I'm talking about on the freeway, you got a slow oh, yeah. person in the fast lane and you want to get around them, but there's also a slow person <laughs> in the in the lane next. So you're fucking yep. boxed in. Yep. And you've just got to sit there like an asshole until something moves, but you can't get around those cars. The other quick hit is when you when you do try to get around a slow car, you move over to the next lane and then in, uh, another slow car moves with you. So now you now you got to go back and it's just a whole catastrophe. So th those are my two quick hits. I, it just drives me crazy. I don't, I agree with that. I agree actually with everything that's been said in this segment. So, but I want to add something that needs to be like a, a service alert here. When there's an accident on the freeway, or even if there's a cop on the side, or if there's a car on the side, can we stop with the looky lose and like driving slow? Because nothing infuriates me more than we're going 65 or 70 and now there's an accident, but they're off to the side. Even if we're on the other side of the freeway and now everyone's going like 20, 30, like what the hell? It's not that interesting. I need to get to point A to point B ASAP. I don't need to lose five minutes of my life because you want to look over and see what's going on. Like, isn't there something more interesting that you could do? That's my problem with LA drivers is that there's no urgency. There's just this sort of laid back attitude that like, I don't really need to get to where I need to be. It's probably what causes what you're talking about with the rubbernecking, but it's just this like slow reaction time when the light turns green and there's just no urgency there. And it just, I can't stand it. All of this. I don't know valid. if you have, I don't know if you have that problem in the Bay area, David, but it's worse down here. I've, li I've yeah. lived in LA most of my life and I can tell you it's way more lax up here and everybody's just super content going 50 miles an hour on the freeway with open roads should be jailed yeah i mean this this might sound extreme but like drone are drone strikes that out of the question for these, oh for, these for for these serial offenders i mean like, you know i thought i thought you were i thought you were gonna go guantanamo bay but then i thought <laughs> eh, that's a bridge too far you go get drone strikes i mean i've thought i've thought it in my car when I've encountered these people, I'm like, you know, it'd be nice right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it would be nice right now. <laughs>
just you know just one you just get one drone strike a year you know you you evacuate their car but you drones you, you evacuate them out of the car but you, you their car is drone strike like you're done you're done driving it's <laughs> so they have, they have to wait on the side of the road while while they watch their car get yeah get with, with a up. sign wearing a sign that says like shame like shameful driver wow. that would be that would stop all of this i bet i think so all right well that was a interesting note to leave, <laughs> to leave drone on. striking civilians yeah <laughs> well on that note i think we've caught you guys up with everything dodgers and driving so thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the incline dodgers podcast thank you again to nick nastrini for joining us as well and make sure to download or subscribe to the incline dodgers podcast wherever you get your feed or subscribe on youtube and give us a five-star rating because we need more ratings people and help us climb the ladder and be one of the top podcasts out there so on that note unless the dodgers do something exciting you'll hear from us in probably another week with all kinds of interesting content so good day everybody